Yeah, I just felt a little like McLeod and Quinn. Look at what the light did. Look at what the light did. Wow, you know, it's so wonderful when we have a little illumination sort of uncovers things that might be hidden. And, yes, you are tuned into Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And we are really excited to have Markeisha Barbers on the air. Yes, that famous poet that you've seen on uh, TED Talk with her wonderful poem, That Girl. And she just had a birthday. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Thank you're you welcome. For Thank you. No problem. I mean, that you said yes the day after such a big day, you know, your solar return. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I hope you had a wonderful celebration. Yes, I did. I had um, my mom and my little brother came over and it was me and my fiance and we we had a really good time. Oh, that's excellent, excellent. So, um, you, uh, Markeisha uh, Barbers, uh, Kiki, uh, was 15 years old and living on the streets of Hollywood when the filmmakers of American Street Kid first met you. Um, and yours is one of the powerful storylines uh, of the film, a film with film. <laughs> You're in a film? Um, yeah, documentary. Oh, what film is that? Uh, it's it's called American Street Kid, um, and it's a film just about homeless youth living on the streets of L.A. and just basically around the world as well and bringing awareness to, um, like, the real situations that lead to youth homelessness and um, breaking the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Wow. And when is this film um, going to be debuting? When is it going to be open? When can we see it and where? Um, it's actually out already. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, I oh. believe it's on the other platforms, but yeah, it's out. You can buy it on Amazon Prime right now, um, the mm-hmm. documentary, and then I have a featured film coming out in July. Oh, uh-huh. And what's the feature film? The feature film is called Summertime, uh, the movie, mm-hmm. and um, that's, it's basically an anthology of um, of of different aspects of LA and different the different types of cultures and people um living in LA and we also merge spoken word into the film as well. So it's very unique, it's very different, it's very uplifting and um it just shows just the all around like what LA really is, just not the Hollywood side of what everyone thinks it is to come to LA and just, you know, go to Hollywood and it's like all this glitz and glamour. We show like the real like um, cultural side of it and all different types of cultures um, as well as using poetry to break, break those barriers. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, if I would have known you had a film, I could have watched it yesterday. Ah, um, but we'll have to have you on after I see that film as well as, as Summertime when it debuts because um, I was looking at your bio. It says that uh, it's uh, distributed, distributed, sorry, through Good Deed Entertainment. What a nice name, Good Deed Entertainment. And it's coming out this season, spring 2021. So you have to, like, give me a heads up and so we can let you on again. And maybe we could um, maybe we could have a screening. Um, and then you could come on and talk about the work. That would be nice if you're available. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would love that. 
Okay, cool. So, so tell me about about homelessness and or house, you know, being under and unhoused and and this poetry that you are just you know, you're just really sort of speaking some truths that others don't um don't talk about, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in in that the one that the poem that you're really well known for, that girl, because you don't you talk about sort of being the girl that is not necessarily uh, what the dominant cult- culture looks at for beauty and intelligence and worthiness, and and you think some really harmful thoughts, you know, as that girl until you change it to like, well, you are that girl, and that girl is a good thing to be. So um, yeah, just talk about about your artistry and um, and you know just sort of you know share your story with us. Okay, absolutely. and then maybe you could do a, maybe you could do the poem <laughs> or a yeah, poem. that would that be, would be nice. This is National Poetry Month, and I you're my first poet <laughs> since oh, since April awesome. started. So that'd be super. To, you know, if you want to start with a poem and then tell us something about yourself and then share another poem, you know, it's, the floor is yours. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um <clears throat> well I I pretty much grew up homeless, um, to just to start my story off a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I was homeless for as long as I could remember. Um, I didn't um ever wind up getting a steady place until I was around twenty three or twenty four. Um, and mm-hmm. I just turned twenty six yesterday, so um you know, it's been a long journey, um, and it was definitely difficult growing up and still having to go to school and do different things and keep you, and keep my mind focused on just getting to the next day, you know what I mean, um, especially with, like, dealing with kids and dealing with I don't have this and I can't do this, and, you know, uh, schools are calling children's services because I'm, like, trying to eat extra at the school or take food to my, back to my mom. And um, it was just, it was a really difficult period. And um, I was going through a lot of stuff. And um, I had actually, I started writing when I was nine years old. And I didn't know I was writing poetry. I was just writing down what I was feeling, what I was going through, what was happening to me. And when I was 11, I finally broke a big um, secret to my mom that I had been holding since I was nine. And um, when I broke the secret to her, I read her some of my, you know, writings that I had in my journal. And she was like, so you've been writing poetry this whole time? (laughs) And um, I was like, oh, well, I guess so. Um, And that's kind of how, like, I first got into like actually doing poetry. My mom took me to church to perform it. And um mm-hmm. that was that was my lifesaver because not only writing was, was good, it was good to get my words out on paper, but when I actually got the chance to get up on stage and perform in front of a crowd and and help people with what I went through or what I was going through and actually get people through their situations, even if it might not be the exact same thing, just to get that little, like, okay, she's been together, she got through, let me try to make it another day, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just drew me in, like, I've I, I stuck by performing ever since. Um, I really dove into it when I was 15, um, when an organization came to my school, and it was a youth poetry organization, but it was only opened up to boys. And so oh. 
Yeah, I was I was very distraught at the time. Like I was at first I was mad, I was angry, I was like, Are you kidding me? Like this is something I had been waiting for since I was a child and now that I there's an opportunity in front of me, I can't do it because of my gender. I was really, mm-hmm. really frustrated. Um, but instead of like just like letting um or giving up or whatever, I I decided to write a poem. And I gave it to my English teacher, who was the head over that, um, over, like, allowing the students in. Um, mm-hmm. And I gave it to him, and I was like, I don't know what you can do, but I really want to do this poetry class. And um, when he read the poem, he was like, well, I can't let you join the class, but I'll let you perform at the end of the class um, mm-hmm. before all of the boys. I'll let you open up for the boys. And so they did that, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. the founder was there to watch the performance, and when she seen me, she decided that, you know what, next year I'm going to bring the class back and I'm going to open it up co-ed. And okay. so that was that was really, like, a, um, a milestone for, like, what my words can do and what just speaking your truth and just standing tall, like, hey, I, I don't want to give up on this. This is what I've been waiting for. And just knocking mm-hmm. down barriers, and I was like, okay, I can. This is what's gonna get me through, and um, mm-hmm. and and that's what I did. I just I just wrote my way out of everything. So everything I write is is personal. Everything I write, I've been through, or I've experienced, I've seen, I've touched, I've felt. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I think that's that's what what gives my what makes my poetry connect so much is that like I find sometimes people try to write just about what's uh what's trending at the time, what's what's popular to talk about, what's cool to talk about right now and it, it's kind of disconnected because have you been through it? Like can you really mm-hmm. tell me what it's like to feel it? And can I feel you feeling it when you speak and I think that's that's a big um, thing that I pride myself on is that I, no matter what, no matter how long ago I wrote a poem, I always have an emotional reaction because it, I've been through it and I have those emotions still inside of me. So, um, yeah, that's just a little bit about my story and um, and why I write and where I, I come from. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can I I can do a poem um, really fast. This is a poem I um, wrote about being homeless as a child um, mm-hmm. because that was a really difficult thing. Like I don't think many people understand what it's like for children to be homeless. Like you hear about homelessness a lot, but when you don't really hear about homeless youth, and that mm-hmm. is really hard a day to day have to get up and still go to school and still try to act like everything's okay. Um, so mm-hmm. I wrote this poem, and it's called Home. Mm. <clears throat> I want to pick one, a real one. I want to strap it to the top of the car, take it home. I want to pull out a box of decorations that's been in our family for generations. I want to help cook Christmas dinner. I want to leave milk and cookies out on Christmas Eve. I want to believe Santa Claus will leave presents. But see, we ain't got no Christmas tree. There's no room in a four-door unless you count the red and green car freshener hanging from the rearview mirror, no chimney either. I've grown custom to Christmas mission dinners. There's ten people to a room. 
So before we go eat, they say, take anything precious with you. I grab my little brother in my arms, take my mom by the hand, place my other hand on my older brother's back, tell them one day we will have our home back. But how can I expect them to believe that when I don't? When it's been this way for seven years, I've cried so many tears I could drown myself in my pillow. And believe me, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried to be a normal little girl. Once, I wrote a letter to Santa Claus. But I guess what I wrote was a normal little girl request that said, Dear Santa, I want to pick one, a real one, a real Christmas tree. I want to strap it to the top of the car, take it home. I want to pull out a box of decorations that's been in our family for generations. I want to help cook Christmas dinner. I want to leave milk and cookies out on Christmas Eve. I want to believe. I want to garden. I want to plant seeds and grow things besides stereotypes. I want to celebrate my birthday in my backyard. I want to have a water balloon fight without all the restrictions. I want a friend, not a bunkmate, but a friend. But most of all, I want to be a kid again. Only if you can, Santa. Only if you can. But you'll have to give it to me personally because we still ain't got no Christmas tree. Thank you for allowing me to share that. Wow, um, thank you for sharing that. That's so beautiful. Um I and and you're right. We we don't we don't hear the voices of the children who for whom having this kind of instability is is normalized. And I was just wondering how why were you why was your family unhoused all of your all of your childhood and and into your adult um life um i think it was i well it, there was a lot of situations that were into play for us losing our first place um i was originally born in houston texas and um i i, I think when my mom moved out here she may have underestimated the um, cost of living. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, it's like L.A. is really, really expensive, and even with two jobs, my mom couldn't put a down payment on a place. Um, we lost our first place because the apartment was condemned. The landlord, mm-hmm. it, there was mold and asbestos in the walls, and um, it was just really, it was really bad conditions, and then, the landlord had got a grant to fix the place, and she took half the money to go on vacation and fix the place while we were still in there when the other half was supposed to go to move us out. So then it started mm-hmm. raining in our electrical system, and the fire department came, and we were forced out of the place. And um, my mom sued the landlady for the conditions of the apartment, and which she wasn't supposed to do, she still anyway put an eviction on my mom's name after the lawsuit went through. So what? from that point on, it was really hard for my mom to get another place. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and and it was just situation after situation. My mom was working two jobs. She was working at Walgreens um, and Taco Bell, and um, she got held up at gunpoint at Walgreens. Um, she asked for a day off for the next day so that she, so that she could recover. They told her mm-hmm. no, and she was like, well, I, I'm going to take the day because I need to recover. And they told her if she took the day, then she was fired. And so she still took the day, and they fired her for that. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, it, it just, 
and then it just became so hard, you know, to put a down payment on a place. You need first and last months and this and that, and minimum wage is not really enough to make it. Um, and my mom had three kids at the time, and so it just became this, like, repetitive cycle of, like, shelters and hotels and cars and parks. And um, I think as I got older, I tried my best to break the cycle. I guess that's why I am where I am now. But, you know, mm-hmm. for a while it was still hard to get out of that cycle, that mentality of of what, of what the rut we were stuck in um, the, the whole while I was a child. Oh, my goodness. So how, how, how did you all stay safe? Um. Um, we stayed together. Um, it was me, my mom, my older brother, and my younger brother. So, um, you know, things things were definitely dangerous. I've 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 been attacked. I've been snatched in a car. I've been um, chased by, especially when I was we were living on Skid Row in the Union Rescue Mission. Um, I was chased by like some crazy guy into a, a liquor store and. When the liquor store owner called the police for me, um, I was 15 at the time, and the police literally told me, well, you might as well not even make a report because we're probably not going to find him anyway. Mm. So, mm. Um, so it, 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 and so it was definitely, like, hard to stay safe, but we did our best to just, like, stick together, don't, like, roam, especially because it was my mom was the only adult at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So are you where are you in the family? Um middle child, younger child? Yes, where are I'm you in the, the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm the middle. I have a younger brother and I have an older brother. Yeah, yeah. So how is everyone now? Is your family housed? Your mom and your um everyone uh, yes. else? Your siblings? Yes. My my little brother still stays with my mom, and my older brother is married, and he's in Ohio. Okay. Oh, good, good. So there's there's a happy ending. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, it was definitely um, a tough road, but I, I feel like we all went through what we went through for a reason, and now those reasons are, are, are showing themselves, which um, I'm really happy about. Okay, so what is, what are some of the reasons that you experience such hardship? Um, I feel like I experienced what I experienced um, literally to help others. Um, I I've experienced going to a show and performing and getting off stage, and there was a girl who came up to me and was like, "I literally was about to go home and kill myself today," and mm. thanks to you, I'm not. And um, mm it just gave me a sense of duty. Like if, if, if that's what my words can do, if that's what, what I've been through can do for other people, then it's my duty to do that. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why I I just continue to do what I do. I feel like if I would have never went through anything, I would have nothing to say. And maybe that, that girl that day wouldn't be here. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I I just feel like all of my struggles were so that I can have a, a inside perspective of what it's like to go through these, not even just what I went through, just to go through things that 
traumatize you that 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 stick with you for a lifetime that some people feel like they can't get over um just to even go through anything of that nature I feel like it it gives me a a connection to people and to be able to uplift people and let them know like it you can be at the 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 bottom of the barrel you can be as low as low can go and still recover and still come back and still come back strong. Um, so I, that's why I believe I went through what I went through. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, there there are a lot of um, a lot of homeless families, and uh, Skid Row in Los Angeles is is well known for being um, sort of the habitat for a lot of families that are um, under and unhoused. And and there are a lot of lot of services there too. I, I saw a film as a part of a a film festival, um uh media responsible media, media responsibility. Um, Shauna Curry, um, it's her it was her film festival and I don't know if you know her, she's she's in Southern California. She had um a Mother's Day radio show for a long time and she's a professor and just doing some really great media work, and I and I definitely want to connect you with her because I, I hear you have some time now. <laughs> um, yeah, you know where where you might be able to to look at some other ventures. But I wanted to ask you, um, particularly with uh, this you know pandemic, and and a lot of people having real struggles with housing security because not having economic security because a lot of people have lost their jobs or their jobs are really unstable or the business has closed because there was no foot traffic because we had these different ways of um of, of being safe and and you know and having these different um ways that we could congregate or not and even yeah. with you know the large number of people being um vaccinated we still have a pandemic and right. certain people can hit uh, differently, um, depending on you know race and class, and um, and even gender, um, because mothers with with children are in the numbers of people that are under and unhoused. The numbers are really high. Mothers with children are really high in the numbers around poverty. So yeah. um, wondering, um, maybe uh, maybe you could do another poem. But also, I just wanted to know, sort of, what would you? <clears throat> What would you say to a child? Because um, now children are going to school online, and I don't know how you go go to school online if you're living in a tent, or you right. know, a hotel, yeah. or or you know, some church. I don't know. I mean, and and also, how how are people being housed in a pandemic? Like, how do you do that safely? Right, right. Um, so. Well, your question is, what would I say to a child right now um, who's homeless? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has, you know, like maybe they have a roof over their heads, but they know it's not a permanent roof. Um, yeah, like what would you say to that, that child to keep them, give them something so they can keep going? Um, I would let them know that they are not their situation. Their mm-hmm. situation does not define them or what they're capable of. Um, especially you're a child, you're not meant to take care of anybody. 
you're not even actually meant to take care of yourself. You're supposed to be taken care of. So just know that the situation that you're in is not a fact. It does not factor into what you're capable of. You're capable of so much more than what's put in front of you. And to always remember that and always to strive for more. If you don't like what what's going on right now, get out of that cycle and and find something that you love to do. Because if you find something you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. You know what I'm saying? Because you love doing it. And it and once you find something that you love to do, trust me, you'll find a way to start profit, profiting off of it. So just find something that you love to do. Even if you're not making money off of it right now, just do it. If you draw, draw till your heart falls out. If you sing, sing all day and all night and everywhere. Um, you know, if you dance, practice, keep dancing, make videos, do what you can um, just to keep yourself going until you're able to change your situation on your own. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, as a child, um, I experienced uh, homelessness, and we were evicted so many times that I, and then I got married and we got evicted so many times. It became sort of normalized, like, oh, I guess that's what happens. You don't have security. Yeah. You know, eventually you get evicted for a variety of reasons. It's not always because you don't have the rent. It's because somebody doesn't like you. <laughs> and so yeah. and there are a lot of yeah. laws that are in place now that, the things that I was evicted for as an adult can't happen, but they happened. <laughs> oh, so many times. So, um, right. yeah, yeah. And, and then you think about the trauma associated with that. Uh, we could be on this show for another hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, I just have you on for you know a brief time. We'll definitely have to have you on again when I have watched your films. Oh, my goodness, how exciting. Um and uh yeah, so would you like to share maybe your your signature piece um <laughs> for our audiences that yeah. don't know it that girl and again um i I watched it last night um on the uh the ted x um um program. How long ago was that that you um recorded that particular program? Oh, I think I did that TEDx about oh I don't know some years ago. Yeah, I think it was 2015, if I'm remembering correctly, but yeah. it's, that's just from memory. Yeah, unless you want to do something new, um, that's fine, too. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can definitely do this signature piece. I, I can do that, girl. Um, so this piece um, is called That Girl, um, and this is one of my favorite pieces and a lot of people's favorite piece, um, um, and it's called That Girl. People only see me as that girl, that fat girl, just a little too black girl, always sitting in the back girl, that girl. People tell me, you're weak girl. No one wants to hear you speak girl. Look at me. I'm not at your feet girl. Stop crying girl. It's not like you're dying girl. No one would like you for who you are. And your career definitely won't go far. Not with that hair, those clothes, those shoes. You really need to change all of you girl. Sometimes. I tell myself, you know, depression ain't cute, girl, and you should stop waiting and do what you have to do, girl. I mean, if you're going to end it, then do it already, girl. Just make sure you keep your hands steady, girl. You want to get it right, girl. Just wait till night, girl, to get the knife, girl. It only takes one slice, girl. Look at you. Two weeks to take your own life, girl. 
But God told me, aren't you tired of waiting to die, girl? All you have to do is try, girl. I gave you life to live, girl. I gave you your gift to give, girl. I am always here, girl. It's okay to shed a tear, girl. Just don't fear, girl, because you are that girl. Made strong enough to carry the world on your back, girl, so stand up straight, girl. You will be great, girl. It is your fate, girl. Don't worry about the past. Remember who is first shall be last. So you've endured the worst, girl. Now it's your turn to be first, girl. Then God held out his hand. He said, take this, girl. Don't waste it, girl. You'll know when to use it, girl. It's a miracle, girl. Like you, you are a miracle, girl. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Yes, you are a miracle. And thank you so much for joining us this morning, Markeisha. And, yeah, I hope to have you on many, many more times to come. Um, Yeah, I'm so feeling so good to to have um, met you um, virtually um, via the phone (laughs) this morning on the day after your birthday. During uh, yes. Poetry Month. I'm so Thank excited blessing. to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly, and definitely I look forward to having um, more conversations, and I will connect you with um, uh, Chanel um, very soon because I think you, you all would love each other, um, and you're in the same part of California, so it will be easier for you to actually connect, <laughs> you know, physically. Okay. So that will be really yes. super. Yeah. And I'm um, really happy that uh, Ariane um, introduced us. Um, yeah, I'm really happy about that. So thanks, Ariane. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Ariane. Thank you. And thank yeah. you again. Thank you for having me on and just allowing me to share my story and my words. Um, I love sure. any time I get a chance. So thank you so much. You're welcome, man. I wanted to know if uh, you have a website or a way for people to be in touch with you, because I'm sure there are going to be folks that want to reach out, particularly the people that are coming on next. <laughs> right. We have a theme going here um, uh, this this uh, this morning that I hadn't realized until I looked at my guest list. I'm like, oh, we're looking at housing as a theme here. <laughs> right, right. Um, this morning. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, yeah. do you have a website or, or a way for people to reach you? I don't have a website. The easiest way to reach me would be my email address. Um, if okay. anybody does want to reach me, it's um, Miss mm-hmm. Babers M S B A B E R S at gmail dot com. Um, and all of my social media is Lady Lyrics. L A D I E L Y R I X. Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, and, and I'm, my apologies for mispronouncing your name. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I said my apologies for mispronouncing your name, Babers. Oh, no, no. It's sorry. I think I might have misspelled it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I put an R in there. I'm thinking about the pastor <laughs> who, started, who started the Poor People's Movement. Um, yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. <laughs> You take good care. You take care as well. Thank you so much again, and I I can't wait to speak with you again. All right. Peace and blessings. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You're welcome. Good morning, Tiny and Leroy. It's been too long. How are both of you? All right. How are you? Hey, I'm doing okay. 
Oh, that's excellent. So we've got uh, the Pores News Network team, part of the team, um, on the air now to talk about April. Oh, my goodness, you have so much planned. So we've got Tiny Garcia and Leroy Franklin Moore. And, uh, Leroy, you are one of our favorite guests. We, you know, haven't had you on, have had you on many times, and it's been yes. a great um, yeah, yeah. And how have you been, Leroy? I know you were struggling with some really horrific housing issues. Um, really. Yeah, really it's sad. still going on today. It's still going on mm. today. You know, it's you know, like like, like Tiny Inform magazine says, you know, rent is a joke. Rent to be outlawed, but um, yeah, you know, dealing with public housing. In today's society, because there's no more public housing. So, yeah, so I'm still in it, still trying to get a lawyer, still trying to um, get a new place. Yeah, it's it's, it's Mm -hmm. been off the wall. Wow, yeah, yeah. Let me read your bios really quickly, and then I'll let you all talk about um, Poor News Network and um, and your work around, you know, anti-poverty, um, you know, supporting revolutionary poverty, honoring revolutionary poverty, disability rights, et cetera. So Tiny, um, also known as Lisa Gray Garcia, is a formerly unhoused, incarcerated poverty scholar, revolutionary journalist, lecturer, poet, visionary, teacher, and single mama of, uh, is it Tiburcio? Tiburcio. Okay, daughter of a house. Yeah, daughter of a houseless, disabled, indigenous Mama D, and co-founder of Poor Magazine, Prince Pobre, Poor News Network. She is also the author of Criminal Poverty, Growing Up Homeless in America, co-editor of A Decolonizer's Guide to a Humble Revolution, born and raised in Frisco and Poverty Scholarship, Poor People Theory, Arts, Words, and Tears Across Mama Earth, a People's Text which was just released in 2019. In 2011, she co-launched the Homefulness Project, beautiful title, beautiful project, a landless people self-determined land liberation movement in the Ohlone, uh, Lishan, how do, you, how do you pronounce that, Ohlone? How do you pronounce the rest of that? Lishan, that's right, that's right there. Yeah. Okay, Hatuan, uh-huh, territory known as Deep East Oakland, and co-founder of the Liberation School for Children, Decolonize. Leroy Franklin Moore, Jr. is the founder of the Crip Hop Nation. Since the 1990s, uh, Leroy has been a key member of Poor Magazine, starting with the column Illin' and Chillin', and then as a founding member of the magazine school, the Homefulness and Decolonize Academy. Moore is one of the founding members of the National Black Disability um, and an activist around police brutality against people with disabilities. Uh, Leroy has started and helped start organizations, including Disability Advocates of Minorities Organization. I think that's when I met you, uh, Leroy, which was a long time ago. Uh, uh, Sins Invalid um, and Crip Hop Nation. His cultural work includes a film documentary, Where is Hope? Police Brutality Against People with Disabilities, Spoken Word CDs, Poetry Books, and a children's book, Black Disabled Art History 101, which is awesome, uh, published by uh, Hochul. How do you pronounce yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
Justice Press. <laughs> His graphic novel, Crip Hop Graphic Novel, Issue 1, Brown Disabled Young Women, Young Woman, Superhero, Brings Disability Justice to Hip Hop, was published in 2019. That's a new one. And in uh, 2020, under Poor Press, Moore has traveled internationally, networking with other disabled activists and artists. All righty now. <laughs> so tell us about um, the tree planting and all these other wonderful activities you have. Some of them are in person, some of them are online. Yeah. And also, you know, about about your organization and what what you all do because you do a lot. Well, maybe I'll just say really quick, and then Leroy, you could say homefulness. But Poor Magazine is a, a poor people-led, um, indigenous people-led movement. We don't even call ourselves an organization just because, um, you know, as as poor and houseless and criminalized people um, on this occupied land, you know, I think it's really important for us to unprofitize um, or deprofitize. Uh, poverty, you know, that it's become a product, just like, you know, in some ways, all activism at this point, because we live in a capitalist system, you know, I like to mess with the colonial words, it's very important, the movement and the work that we do is more aligned with Lambeth people's movements across Mama Earth, like the Shack Dwellers Union in South Africa, our comrades, um, Abaze Mojodolo and you know, uh, the Zapatistas in Chiapas. These are these are comrades for us in the sense that we're really trying to not, you know, create jobs and create products and really just make sure our voices are heard, uh, no more mm-hmm. about us without us, um, that our cultural work is seen and that our theory, you know, which we call poverty scholarship and Ibaye to my mama D for without whom there would be no me, um, who, with me, launched that original theory, um, which means for poor people, that's our life, you know. And that book, for us, is uh, is medicine, and we share it with everybody. And, you know, if we can't afford to buy it, it's for free. All of our stuff is on poorpress.net. Um, but really, again, sharing the medicine so that together all of us can move toward liberation. And that's kind of the short version of Poor Magazine. Homefulness is Leroy. Yeah, homelessness is the answer to homelessness. You know, the poor magazine went through a lot of classes in the 90s. You know, we went through, you know, non-profit grants at the grants. We went through the city budget. And we came up with, you know, we have the answers in, in ourselves. So poor magazine and um, homelessness, you know, started with, you know, people's school to teach um, people with privilege, you know, all kinds of privilege, not only wealth privilege, but, you know, privilege of having a college education, the privilege to work in, like, bureaucracy. So that teaching that, you know, Tiny and Tiny's mother has done for, you know, 10 years in the 90s, you know, set up... um, a foundation of what we call homefulness and the solidarity board. So the people that got that education, the people that had, you know, wealth and, you know, connections. And they worked hand-in-hand with Poor Magazine to to get the knowledge of, of poverty scholarship. 
And because of that knowledge, um, we worked together and uh, found a piece of land in East Oakland. And we didn't, you know, buy it just to buy it. We bought it just to get it off the market and to, um, to you know, bring it back to the community. So mm-hmm. now homefulness is, you know, homes. It's a school. It's a radio station. It's, you know, feeding people. We four magazines. Been feeding people since the nineties. So this is not, um, you know, what's new. You know, under you know, um, COVID. You know, no, we've been doing this since the nineties. So homefulness is a lot, but it's really, you know, the teaching of poverty scholarships and linking hands with people that have wealth and people that have um, educational privilege to really uh, work hand-in-hand with poverty scholars. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so those are... You know, it's it out of that. Like Leroy says, there's a lot of things, and we don't have the time to get into all of them. But you know, a lot of it is rooted in poetry too. And I just want to lift up Wanda because you're a beautiful poet as well. But through poetry, we believe that you know, also poetry, prayer, prose, sort of what we call her story making and his story making. We can also write and control our own. Um, narratives, you know, and that's a really important piece of it. And as we do that, you know, that maybe we can do what we call my hashtag unsell mama earth. And so this is uh, right. This is where we're working. And we work um, very closely aligned with first nations elders, um, shout out to the Gorte Land Trust and West Berkeley Shell Mound to Karina Gold and um, the Pacific Island scholars uh, because we asked permission first. You know, there's a very disrespectful process about the buying and selling of Mama Earth that happens in this stolen capitalist reality, which has to do with, you know, people just moving wherever they want to. I mean, when people talk a lot about gentrification, but they don't understand maybe is the colonial roots of gentrification is already a setup from the ghetto. You know, the whole idea that, that white people are told, oh, you can go anywhere you want. You can do anything you want. No, you can't. You know, that's not that's not the way of our ancient ancestors. That's not how we move humbly and take care of Mama Earth. And so, you know, again, these concepts of gentrification, removal, displacement, they're already set. You know, it's a setup from a get-up. And we know as poor folks, people of color and disabled people, that that is an absolute thing we've been struggling with um, forever, really. It's a colonial terror, um, you know, and it ties in with pro-life terror and all these other terrifying things that we have to struggle with. Um, You know, I always root my liberation work um, specifically on uninvisibilizing um, houseless folks because, you know, me and Ma were houseless on the street for my entire childhood and sleeping in vehicles and park benches and bus benches and wherever we could. I'm not glamorizing that at all. I know that isn't the point. But it is, as you beautifully said in the opening, is more to lift up the liberation and the resistance. You know, this is this is the point. 
um, when we say things like poverty scholarship, it's really to lift up the fact that um, as poor and indigenous oppressed peoples, we have our own solutions. You know, this is what homefulness is. It's a poor people solution on a country stolen by rich white people. How about that? You know, and walking in harmony with first peoples, recognizing where we all come from, and truly liberating with every step. Um, and it's not easy. I'm not utopicizing this. It ain't some hippie walk in the sunset. You know, this is complicated, right? We are all nations, all generations, all cultures. Um, you know, when you organize under poverty and disability, you're talking about all people. And we come out of trauma. We hurt each other. This is very complicated. We're holding and living and lifting up students and families and elders who've been traumatized their whole life. You know, we're not, we're not out here being all cutesy to each other, right? We are working to hold each other through the trauma and walk into liberation, which, you know, then gets us to tomorrow. So let me go back to Wanda's original question. Uh, we are holding a humble ceremony, um, a tree planting ceremony, which everyone's welcome to. Um, well, no bells or whistles, but myself and Leroy and Mutialo and Israel and the youth scholars will be doing um, prayer. We'll do um, Aztec dance. We'll be doing some words from family honoring the beautiful, powerful poverty scholars, Shiro's, Kiluniasha, EYA, um, right? We loved, she was one of the mentors of magazine, um, someone my mom looked up to and myself, you know, and Leroy, and really loved for and yeah, me too. beautiful woman. Yes, right? Um, yes. So I feel there's a funny story, Wanda, that you would appreciate. We went to her ceremony, I think. I know you were there. and anyway, No, I wasn't. I, think, I was out of town. Oh, so tell okay, me about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just assuming you were, but that's okay. You were there in spirit. Um, oh, yeah. Well, anyway, me and, <laughs> right, right. So me and Levi went, and it was beautiful. And then I somehow lost the program, the beautiful program that was made. And then I couldn't, I was creating the altar, you know, that we have. We have a beautiful altar of all of our ancestors of poverty and racism and disability, et cetera, out here at homefulness. But anyway, I couldn't find the picture. And the next day, with absolutely nobody helping or anybody involved, any humans on this side of the journey involved, her picture turns up. And I was like, what? And it wasn't even a picture that I owned. So I'm like, okay, Kilo, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lose it, but, you know, we got you right there. Anyway, let's just say her hair spirit is fierce on every side of the spirit journey. So we're honoring her with, um, it's her anniversary on April 10th. So we're honoring her tomorrow with this tree and the ancestor forest that we have at Homefulness, along with Barbara Brust from Consider the Homeless, another poverty scholar, Shiro, who literally had gone through her own trauma with criminalization and poverty and then spent the rest of her life helping household folk in Berkeley. Um, in any way she could, you know, a powerful uh, grassroots movement. And then lastly, Jerry Ambrose, uh, a humble poverty scholar who, like so many, 
uh, worked her entire life as a domestic worker for uh, Wells Quarters in San Francisco, only to be gentrified out of Frisco and end up houseless in Sacramento. And sadly, we know that happens all the time. Um, and that killed her and her family, to be real, because gentrification and eviction kills nothing less. Um, so we're honoring all three of these powerful ladies tomorrow at 1 o'clock at 8032 Black Arthur in Deep East Occupied Regine, a.k.a. Deep East Oakland. Um, and everybody's invited. And then, yeah, and then on uh, April 24th, we're doing another event on uh, NHP at 3rd and Palu, which everyone is invited. It's called Speak Up, Lift Up, Heal Up. And it's really about addressing this onslaught, because we know it's not new. It's kind of just gotten worse, of anti-Asian, anti-black, and anti-poor people violence. Um, uh, again, these, these are linked, right? A lot of the uh, Asian folks who have been recently attacked are also poor people. They're poverty scholars. They're sex workers. They're uh, bottle collectors and recyclers, right? And we also know that there's also all kinds of uh, anti-black violence and anti-poor people violence, right? So connecting these dots, really, and trying to hold a, um, a speak up and heal up. Uh, there'll be prayer and ceremony and everybody's invited in an open mic. Um, yeah, and then lastly, we have a thing on Zoom. We always be doing the Zoom. Leroy's a Zoom beast, and he's always on Zoom. <laughs> we'll be doing a Zoom thing. <laughs> On April 28th with uh, UC Berkeley Multicultural Center um, at 3 p.m. And it's called Degentrifying Academia uh, from mm. Philly to San Francisco, from Uchen to Lenape, because we know that the, these large institutions of so-called academia, I affectionately call them AKKdemia because we know a lot of their roots are in eugenics, uh, continue to remove our communities, and currently there's a specific attack on a 112-unit building in Berkeley um, that is is facing eviction because UC Berkeley wants to create another dorm as well as People's Park, which is a constant battle. So those are the April, <laughs> right. and we love you, Wanda, for letting us say all that. And yeah, there we oh. Yeah, why don't you give the website where people who weren't writing fast enough can go and right. and see the calendar for April cuz you have like four things yeah. happening and they're all all really powerful and, and you know people don't want to miss any of them. Right. Um so and I think I missed April 20th. So I just want to say really quickly cuz that's really um important is it relates yes. back to what Leroy started with, right? But we know that RAD and No Hope 6 is actually stealing all of our public housing um, yeah. all across Turtle Island. Yeah, mm. and I don't know if Leroy wants to add anything to that. Yeah, I, I just I, I just want to say, yeah, RAD. And, and, and the thing is, is that, is that, that was the only policy uh, Donald Trump liked. You know, coming out of Obama. So that says a lot. And the public housing has been attacked from both parties for decades. And, that, and that's why it's so hard for 
myself right now in this situation to move. <laughs> I've been trying to get out of my place for the last year, dealing with bed bugs, dealing with rude um, landlords, dealing with two-day notices on my door when I come back from lecturing. So, yeah, so Rad is a really, you know, they, 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 um, they disguise it as something that's good. So a lot of activists think that Rad is good. So when Porn Magazine and the San Francisco PD newspaper attack Rad, you know, back in the, what, late 90s, I think, um, 90, you know, a lot of people came after us and say, Rad is good. Until they found themselves with no apartment to go to. Because what happens is they fix up the apartment and they think, oh, yeah, sure, you'll, you, you'll come back after it's fixed. And after it's fixed, it goes on, on the, the market as market rate housing. So, yeah, so it's really bad. And if the housing secretary from Obama to Donald Trump and to Biden don't don't want to touch Rad. Mm, exactly. Mm-hmm. So just re- yeah, and just really quickly to go back, you had asked the website. Sadly, well, there's two places, so people can go to Poor Magazine on Facecrack. I mean Facebook, and you can get all the <laughs> all the events there, or you can email. We're having a, a website problem right now because us, us poor people have a, yeah, a broken too. website. Yeah, but you can email poormag at gmail.com. Again, poormag at gmail.com. Or you can also follow us on Instagram. Ah, I mean Instagram. <laughs> and we also have them all there too. Uh, and I really, I really appreciate that. That listeners might, you know, just, you know, any ways that you can support us, we appreciate. But the April 20th event that I didn't say again, that deals with the fact that all of our public housing is under attack right now. And they're giving notices out to people to move. So it's that immediate. It's been happening since 2013. Shouts out to the San Francisco Bayview because Poor Magazine and the Bayview were the only ones who put this story out in the beginning. Um, I was, you know, kind of sequestered into a secret meeting and we could not get that story out except for our warriors at the Bayview who put that. So we appreciate all of them, right? Love love mm-hmm. to Mary and Willie and everybody. Um, but it's happening now, right? It's fully rolling out, and they think they're going to do it quiet as kept. And the only way to fight that is to launch a tenants union. That's how North Carolina fought it, and so we're trying to help folks do the same thing here. And, 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 and what, 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 what's so bad that I found out in the time knew all along that there's, there's no housing lawyers. Yep. Like yep. I did that time to get a lawyer. To take my case, and everybody's like, no. Yep. So it tells you that the lawyers are sometimes in the pocket of the housing de- de- developers. Yeah. So I know you were running out of time, Wanda, but I just want to, again, thank you and thank you for your work. 
yeah. uh, let people know that we appreciate any support. They can also go to poormagazine.org because um, all of our stories that are there are there. And that's our website, albeit, you know, old in tech years. We're <laughs> going to get it revamped. But we uh, we appreciate all support and all love and all liberation. Mm, yes, yeah, certainly. Um, well, my next guests are not, not in the studio yet, so we've got like two minutes. So, um, Leroy, uh, Tiny, uh, you got a poem for us? This is, after all, National Poem. Oh, yes, I have one. I did, I did. Always. <laughs> Go for it. We need to do this one. It's called Sleeping in the Bathroom, which I've been doing. Sleeping in the bathroom. Wow. Yes. I didn't want to write this song. It's just not right. It's so wrong. My bed has day bugs. Sleeping in the bathroom. I need a hug. The city says it's getting better. As bed bugs make a ladder to get to my pillow, eye to eye as I kill it, I have no sorrow. I'll be sleeping in the bathroom tomorrow, scratching the itch over and over. The city says it's getting better as they form a ladder trying to suck my blood. I didn't want to write the song. It's just not right. It's so, so wrong. My bed has bed bugs. Sleeping in the bathroom, I need a hug. At night, my bed, they slide. Wake up in the morning, and they are gone. I'm itching all day. This is so wrong. Another night in the bathroom with a fat bong. Gotta get high because I can't believe this is my life. As the coop song plays over and over. Have you tried sleeping in the bathtub? My skin I'm trying to rub to smooth my bones as it hits fiberglass relief finally not scratching my ass I didn't want to write this song it's just not right it's so so wrong my bed has bed bugs sleeping in the bathroom I need a hug how did it end up like this this is some bullshit from the Bedroom to the living room. Now I'm sleeping in the bathroom. Thank you, Wanda. <laughs> I love that. Wow. <laughs> you have time. Wow, have time that's, that's real visceral, as they, they say. Like, wow. Ooh. Yeah, it's true. My, my legs blew up. My feet blew up. That's like, what's oh, going on? Leroy. And my friend is like, Leroy. You're sleeping in the bathtub. Sleep, sleep on your bed. I was like, okay. And my feet went down, my legs went down, and I was like, oh, my God. I was killing myself, you know? Yeah. 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 Whew. Man. Wow. Well, thank you both, you know, for for doing the work, um, you know, despite, you know, personal challenges and difficulties. For real. You still don't give up. 
You don't give up. Yeah, and, and, you know, anybody listening to this show, if you, if you know a 6 and 8 apartment in Berkeley, let me know. Uh, yeah, how, how, do, how do they let you know, Leroy? You know, you can email me, Black Crip, with a K, Black Crip, at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Cool, cool. Wow. Well, I'm going to try to get out to the, uh, the tree planting, uh, remembering, uh, among others, uh, our dear ancestor, Akilu uh, Nyasha. So thank you so much again. My next guests are in okay. the studio. And, yeah, okay, you all yeah. take good care and keep doing the work. Okay. And we're going to find you somewhere right. so you don't have to sleep in a bathtub. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Peace and blessings. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Uh, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, Kelly. Kali. Is it Kali like in the goddess, Kali? Yeah, oh my goodness. Oh, Kali, you, you're one of the, you're right, you're one of the first people to ever get that right, but 100%. Oh, she is fierce, just like you are, and you got the hair too, like, how could they miss it? <laughs> you're so sweet. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Um Thank you for asking. The, oh my goodness! And we yeah. and we we see Dion that all is here time, with us too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here. oh, Dion, you are. Oh, you are too funny yeah. in your role. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, I just love when you start dropping the money. Okay, and then come back. Oh, it's just so fabulous. Well, congratulations on the wonderful feature. Um, I, I know that's Thank a first you. for you, Kelly. Um, you know, really yeah. wonderful how you pulled all your, your folks together and produced such a wonderfully, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, people are going to want to watch this over and over again because it just really <laughs> tugs at your heart. Uh, and it's so beautiful. Oh, the uh, cinematography is it's just such a gorgeous film. And all those those poses on the skates, I mean, you are skating. And I'm like, wow, how's she doing this all day, the character? I mean, like, yeah. she's in really it good shape. It was like 10 hours a day. Yeah, it was a lot of skating for this movie, for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me read your bios, um, the short version, so you can tell us about how this project came to be. And, yeah, and your, um, you know, debut at San Francisco International Film Festival on Friday is going to start to dream. It's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> congratulations, congratulations. So, Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah. So um, you are uh, a native of Los Angeles and uh, Howard University and USC School of Cinematic uh, Arts alumna. Uh, You've directed Mm -hmm. and written and produced award-winning films in Belize, Haiti or Haiti, China, and locally Mm -hmm. in the United States of America. Uh, Right out of Howard University, you received the opportunity to work at National Geographic Television and Film, where you gained TV experience that led you to become the only woman selected to direct the first Creole dramatic TV series in the country of Belize, uh, Nomata, Nomata War. Mm -hmm. Um, Did I pronounce that correctly? Okay. Nomata what? Ah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, no matter what. Sorry. That was important. Are you good? <laughs> uh, good yeah, I'm thinking war on poverty this morning. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you're no the worries. third guest. That's the theme is 
homelessness. They're house underhoused and whew, yeah, issues. children that are homeless. So it's like, oh my goodness, yeah. And I yeah. hadn't even known it was the theme until until now. <laughs> and you <laughs> later won the Paul Robeson Award for your work. Uh, you were selected to work with Ron Howard and Brian Grazier, New Form Digital, to develop your web series, The Discovery of Dit Dotson, that went on to compete for compete in top tier festivals across the nation. And in 2018, you won, you wrote and directed Lalo's House, executive produced by uh, Garcelle. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Beauvais. Yeah, Beauvais. 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 And Beauvais. Lisa yeah. L. Wilson yeah. Beauvais, and which went on to win the 45th Annual Student Academy Award and was in consideration for the 91st Annual Academy Award. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got you. a whole lot of accolades. Um, I'm not going to read them all um, because we want to we want to mm-hmm. talk about I'm Fine, Thanks for Asking, um, which came became sort of like the tag, like everybody says that in, the, in pandemic uh, America. Um, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Because I don't know. Does that mean that no one was asking how we were doing before then? Uh, I'm not sure, but it, it sort of really rings true. Like <laughs> I said so much when people who I don't know ask me how I'm doing. I'm fine. I mean, because I don't yeah. think they really want to know how I'm doing. So I say I'm fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and um, the common answer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't have time to really hear you. Like, do they? Like, do they have time? Like I say. Well, the, the answer is really long, and and we don't have time right now, so I'm fine. <laughs> Thanks for asking, Dion. Um, oh my goodness, you're the producer, executive producer uh, of this wonderful film, and you are an award-winning comedian, writer, and actor who stars as as Charlie on the ABC hit series Blackish and Freeform Grown-ish, winning Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series at the 2020 Image Awards. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. And you were nominated again for your role at the 2021 Image Awards as well as for your exceptional VO work or VO work in on Crip and the Age of the, One, of the Wonder Beast. That's Netflix. I have to watch that. Uh, in film, uh, you appeared in the Whitney Cummings director directed feature, The Female Brain, uh, opposite Sophia uh, Vergara, and in the multi-part Barbershop. Uh, you were a standout in the Friendsgiving and Holiday Rush. In stand-up, your latest one-hour Netflix special, Cold Hearted, uh, which is kind of cool, C-O-L-E, a play on your name. That's that's nice. <laughs> After the success of your performance in the stand-ups, your previous one, our special, Dion Cole's Cold-Blooded Seminar, you, you got the right name. I mean, did you fix this up with, like, the folks that allowed you to choose your parents so that you could, you know, so that, like, they, they knew what you wanted to do with, with your life. So it's like, we need to put him with this family so he can have the right name, so he can, like, play on it for the rest of his life when he becomes a professional. <laughs> Is that what you did? Is that how you hooked it up? You are. When you rude. think about it? And currently, you are also the face of New Old Spice campaign. My father used Old Spice. <laughs> I think a lot of black men use Old Spice, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about the film. 
So, um, Kelly, why don't you why don't you talk about sort of how it came, you know, sort of the genesis of it, and how you how you you know uh, grabbed Dion, you know, to be a, a part of this and to be a producer. Producer means that you are kicking in money. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> Executive producer at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of money. So, um, so Dion and I are writing partners and, and, and producing partners now, but, um, so we've already been working together on other projects and when the pandemic hit, it kind of slowed things down. Um, and then as time went on, like the summer came around and I just woke up with this pressing feeling and need to create something. And, um, and so I, automatically included, you know, Dion, um, a writing partner. Um, but I went to my girls um, from USC, my co-director, Angelique Molina, and then our other co-producer, Roma Kong. Um, mm-hmm. I went to them first to discuss, like, how um, we could make a movie during this time. And, um, and, you know, at first I went to them and I said, you yeah, know, let's just make something. Let's make a short and um, they were like, yeah, we could do that. Because I, I had my stimulus check at the time, and I was like, maybe we could just use my money and just do something. And then after I hung up, I called them right back, and I was like, man, look, we're masters of doing shorts. We know how to do shorts. Let's let's try to make a feature. So it, it all started with the stimulus check. But, yeah, when Dion and Capella, um, our other producer, came on board, they're the ones who really kept the train going um, to be able to complete a film like this. And, um, and you know, Dion's been majorly supportive. Like, I I know initially, like, I <laughs> – this is, like, some scrappy little project, little street project in my mind. It's like, um, if it – I told everybody, I said, look, you know, if it doesn't turn out good, we can just cut it into a short and act like that's what we meant to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just ended up. It ended up turning out great. And um, uh, but like for Dion to come on really meant a lot to me because, you know, he's he's done so much. He has um, so many accolades. He's worked on major multi-million-dollar um, feature films. And so I wasn't sure, even though we're partners, like I wasn't sure if he wanted to uh, rock with stuff this was fun. He was like, are you kidding me? He's like, this is where I'm from. This is what I do. I do grassroots. And then he just like jumped right on and just kept this train going. So mm-hmm. that's how it all began. I, I do grassroots. Oh, what what a nice tagline. Mm-hmm. I do grassroots. We got to like hashtag that. Um, so Dion, talk about, you know, the, this is your writing partner. How does that happen? Writing partners. That's great. Uh, we were doing them. We were doing a movie in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we were just sitting down between takes one day and just talking about vision and her vision and my vision were kind of the same. And so we just thought maybe we should collab on some things, ideas she had, ideas I had, and we sat down and, you know, uh, us working together became effortless. Um, like like nobody ever really wrote with before, and we began we began banging out different projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it just went like that. Mm-hmm. 
can you tell us about some of the projects you all um, worked on prior to this one? Uh, we worked on this. We also worked on another script that we have with a company that's um, um, doing that thing right now. And, you know, uh, yeah, we, we and we got, like, other scripts that we still writing on right now, too, as well. So, um, yeah, we... We got a lot of we got a lot of things, man, right now. There's stuff in the works, Wanda. We're just not allowed to talk about it yet. No, no, I understand we can't talk about it now. You don't have to be tactful. I understand I you know, we you know, those of us that are in this asking people questions business knows that all all questions don't get answered <laughs> for a variety of reasons. So that's no problem. So let's let's talk more about um, I'm fine. Uh, the cinematography is phenomenal. It's so beautiful, and and I just love it that you were already skating all over the place, Kelly. So how was it for you to be you know both writer and and starring? And who is the baby girl that's you know that's your daughter, oh. your character's daughter? She is wonderful, and all of the babysitters and the friends and not so friendly. Your cast is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. That so it because we shot during a pandemic, um, and it was in the summer during one of the highest heights of the pandemic. We had to be extremely careful. So one of the things that was talked about is that we need to keep the crew to ten or less. And so a problem oh. that ar- arose from that was, well, okay, if we keep the crew ten or less, how are we going to cast? And because it's going to be over ten. And then I said, well, that just means we have to be in it. So. Um, that's how I ended up playing the lead. And then um, you, my co-director, Angelique, is in it. She's, you know, she's the one who had the attitude with me at the car. Um, our other producer, Roma, she's the one with the cat, with the delivery. Um, oh. We, like, every crew, every <laughs> crew member was in this movie. Um, and, and, I mean, it was obviously nerve-wracking for them because most of them hadn't been, but they all did a very good job. And then, we um, once we filled all those roles and we needed an actor, a few like actor actors that we we did bring in because um, we ran out of people, you know. So this was a I'm telling you from the earth grassroots type of project. We just got it done by any means necessary, and then um, Dion came in and blessed us with his scene. Um, Record of truth because um, when he looked at the outline, when I showed him the outline of what we um, put together, me, Angelica, and Roma, um, he was like, So, you mean to tell me this girl skating around town in biker shorts all day and nobody's trying to holler at her? <laughs> so, we're like, Yo, that's so real. Like, Dion brought in like the female perspective for the story. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he introduced this character, which we were able to weave into Brooklyn's character, which ended up just being fabulous. So it, it just mm-hmm. worked. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. It works very well. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty car. Where did you get that car, Dean? And Brooklyn actually, and Brooklyn actually works for me. So mm-hmm. she was oh. even an actress. Oh, that's right. Yes, so which, which is another oh. great component to it is that. Mm. She really killed the movie, and she, mm-hmm. she never really even acted before. Mm-hmm. 
it was mm. all friends. Oh, to and to bring back Wesley, uh, the little mm-hmm. girl. Wesley yeah. um, is a friend of of our family, so um, she they used to joke around when she was real, real little. That she looked more like my daughter than their daughter, and mm. so when we needed a little girl, um, Wesley was a great pick, you know. And she ended up she's just phenomenal. She was like having another adult on set, like. She was bringing ideas. She had great questions. She, whenever it was a Wesley day, I was relaxed because I knew the girl was going to know her lines and everything was just going to be smooth because yeah, she was phenomenal. honest. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she does look like your daughter. Ah, uh, yeah. I love, I love the dream scenes. That is awesome. The one, oh, man, the one where you're drowning. Oh, oh my goodness, I had to, like, no, there's it's not that deep. She fell in a puddle. But but she's drowning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um yeah. that that we knew we wanted to have a, a a captivating centerpiece in the film cuz we knew we were going to be ripping and running and stealing a lot of shots, but we really wanted to slow it down somewhere in the movie and mm-hmm. really show um, her struggle in an artistic way and using mm-hmm. metaphors. And we knew that like she was literally, uh, well, they're literally drowning, but she is in life drowning in her fears, drowning in her worries, drowning in all the problems that she's trying to get done that day. And so mm-hmm. um, putting her in water just made sense. Plus, I've always wanted to roller skate underwater, so <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm, mhm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we told our audience what the film is about. I I do this accidentally a lot, and then it's like, oh, we've been talking and talking like this, like the folks have seen the film. I mean, they know it's a film because I did mention that it's debuting, but I don't know if we told them what it's about. Did we? If not, can we no, repeat I don't think it? Okay, yeah. Can you tell? Yeah. Us, can you all both tell us what the film is about? Because then I won't give away anything. Because I'm reading all these production notes in, <laughs> and I saw oh, the film. Oh yeah, so. no, no problem. It's a, it's a story about a mother who is trying to protect the innocence of her daughter by pretending that they are only camping, while she is secretly trying to get them off the streets into an apartment. Right. But her only yeah. means of transportation are roller skates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and where is um where is it shot? It says um the streets of uh, Pacoma, California. I don't know Pacoma. Where where is that? So Pacoma is in San Fernando Valley. Um, okay, right outside of Los Angeles. Um, I liken it to it's 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 where I grew up. Um, mm-hmm. it is. I liken it to. Um, it's like East LA. So it's like the East LA of the Valley. Um, mm-hmm. so I really thought like nobody is roller skating and bright colors around East LA and, um, <laughs> nobody is roller skating and bright colors around Pacoima either. And so we really liked that juxtaposition of this character, um, mm-hmm. in, in a place where, um, <laughs> things like that just don't happen. Right, yeah, yeah, and and she's a widow, and her husband's, um, and her daughter, uh, he's an angel now, and and he grants mm-hmm. wishes, so there's a little magic there, but um, mm-hmm. you know, but your character is fierce, 
I mean, <laughs> you know, of course, she's in good shape. She's skating all over the doggone valley, um, you know, up and down hills. <laughs> but but yeah, we, that was we, hard. we don't know how fierce she is until we see how fierce she is. And I'm like, that's a great scene. I mean, isn't it, Dion? I'm like, oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> yes. You are you are so Kali. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So so talk about some of your favorite scenes. I don't know what to talk about cuz I don't want to give away anything. So talk about some of your favorite scenes. I like the one where, you know, we see the the money that um your character is, you know, saving. Um but she still doesn't have enough and and the um the manager is trying to work with her. And I don't know if he knows the situation, but maybe he senses something urgent around why this woman needs the apartment. But I, I think yeah, that that's the, our, the compassion there is really beautiful. Yeah, and that that actor was also a crew member who um, was um, I, he shot. He's a DP. He shot my uh, the thesis that won oh. the Student Academy Award, and he also helped us with our VFX shot of the the water that you're talking about. So he was another mm-hmm. crew member, and he was fantastic, so compassionate. That's our other producer, Capella's favorite uh, scene. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I never asked Dion. Dion, what is, what's your favorite scene? I never I never actually knew. Um, I, man, got to like one in order to like the other. <laughs> so, so what are your two? I, man, the whole movie. Just everything. I like it. I like I like everything for different reasons. Oh, what are some of the reasons why you like everything? <laughs> <laughs> because it makes sense. It all coincides together. Like her struggle. Without her struggle, we wouldn't see Brooklyn. You know, without the kid, we wouldn't see. We wouldn't have struggle without the kid, and everything just plays into the other thing. It's like puzzle pieces. And so I like it mm-hmm. all, you know, just all mm-hmm. for all different reasons or whatever, you know. So those are like, you know, all of that is like great to me. I mean, to me personally, I I, I love seeing, I love seeing all those characters and, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it, yeah. I guess it is hard because it's our, it's our baby, so it's hard to... Uh, <laughs> Say what's favorite or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for me, yeah. the mm-hmm. actors I like really. I love working with everybody; they're all my friends. But was like the two people who really I loved playing with was um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn mm-hmm. threw some stuff at me that I because there was a lot of improv in this movie, and she would say <laughs> that girl, was, and those were one hundred percent genuine reactions in those. Because oh. that was the mm-hmm. first time I was hearing that and having to react to her. Um, and then um, Dion scene is one of my favorites because it, even though I had no dialogue, it was so hard for me to stay in character because the stuff that was coming out of his mouth in that, like, mm-hmm. you guys have no, I like, I want to cut more bloopers from the things that he said from that car. Like, it is hilarious just trying to keep a straight face and be like irritated was was mm-hmm. challenging for me but that scene was uh a lot of fun especially when he talks about the three-legged cat like that's my favorite line um mm-hmm. and then 
and then um, um, Nyla, the girl who starts the problem. I really yeah. love her scene. Um, that's Jackie Holmes. Um, she was our AD on set. And another thing about her is that the whole reason I roller skate, I'm, I've been roller skating since I was like four, is because of her mom. Her mom went to our church. My dad was a pastor, and so I was really close to her family. And her mom is the, I believe, at least one of the only black women in the Roller Derby Hall of Fame. She was a famous wow. uh, roller derby. Yeah, and she, um, her name was, uh, Gwen Skinny Minnie Miller, they called her Skinny Minnie, and I just was enamored with her mother since, and that's, I've been roller skating since a kid because I've always just wanted to be like Skinny Minnie. So to have Jackie, one, B-R-A-D, she's in, she makes movies too, and um, two, to um, act in it, and there's a little thing that we say, I tell her, because her mom passed away a year before my dad passed away so we have like this thing you know about our parents and I say to her I say tell your mom I say hi and she's like you know I will you know she loves you so that was like an inner thing between Mm. me and her about her mom and the roller skating and her mom growing up in Pacoima and being one of the bigger stars from that little tiny town as a roller derby queen so um right yeah, there's like little secrets layered inside things layered in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really special. I remember roller derby. I, we used to watch it on television, and I remember, yeah. you know, being really happy when I saw a black woman, or I don't know about yeah. black men. I don't, <laughs> right? know, I don't remember exactly, but but I I remember it. And I just thought, wow, that's dangerous. Um, I mean, because I have roller skates, but saw it her. like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure yeah, I did. I, I have to look her up. You've probably seen her. Yeah. Many, many. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Wow, wow. So I know you're excited about, you know, the uh, the streaming debut at the San Francisco International Film Festival this Friday. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be so good to watch it with an audience. Um, do you have any plans for any releases, um, uh, you know, in drive-ins or anything like that? Oh, not yet. Um, we would love to, but right now we're 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 being courted by distributors. So um, we're in the process of, like, you know, um, entertaining certain ones and seeing where it will go from from there. But, no, not as of yet. We don't have any uh, plans. So we would love it. We would love it. Oh, I I can just – can't you see a lot of folks at a drive-in watching this? I mean, I can – It's a drive-in type of movie. It's that kind of movie, you know. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and you could take it, your whole it, family in one of those kind of movies too. Yeah, could you imagine if they serve food on roller skates with this movie? Like oh, it would be perfect. Perfect, <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah. Could you give the website um for the film so people can go and, you know, watch a teaser? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um the website has the trailer on the main page and it's I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, dot com. So it's I M F I N E T H A N K S F O R A S K I N G. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Dot com. Um, no apostrophe on the I'm. Uh, people put for some reason they put an apostrophe. <laughs> so it's just I am. <laughs> right. And if you okay. and if they want to follow us on Instagram, 
Oh yes. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's um, at Thanks for Asking Movie, and okay. um, we keep that up to date so people know like where they can watch the film and all of that too. Oh, excellent, excellent. And and last, because um, my other guest isn't here yet, um, I was wondering, um, uh, could you tell us like who the bad guys are? Uh, well, they're not bad, all bad. They're good too. Um, the barber and and I guess he, you know, the um, uh, the late husband's um, uh, good friend who introduced his friend to the protagonist. <laughs> um, yeah. Are they members of the crew too? And who are they? They're they're great. I really like the bar. He's like a good, he's a real good guy. Yeah. So those were um, actually three additional actors. So Lamar Usher, who was in the barber's chair, the one who didn't want to get his hair cut. Haircut. <laughs> School of Dramatic Arts. So um, yeah, a lot of us from USC Cinema meet a lot of the actors and we all work together. So he's just a friend um, that um, we all knew and brought him in, and um, and then Ira Stephen Ira Scipio um, is an actor on SWAT. I've I've been a friend for years. I've known him for decades. So that's the barber. That's who you're talking about. Um, oh. So he's an actor as well. And then there's Andrew Galvin who plays um, the friend of Sam, um, and he is. Uh, also from the USC School of Dramatic Arts and um, just another friend from school, just, you know, from filming and casting actors. You just meet a lot of people. So we've known him. The whole crew knew him too. So, like, we've all known him for years. So it's very in the family. Like, there there wasn't anybody that um, – because we were taking too much of a risk uh, being oh, yeah. out during COVID. So we had to make sure that, like – these are friends, these are family, this is, you know, we couldn't put anyone else at risk that um, wasn't close and um, down for the cause, you know what I mean? Like, it it had to be a family affair. Right, right. And thank God we were all safe. No one got sick. Thank thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's excellent. So, yeah. 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 one more question, and then, Dion, I'm going to let you have the parting words. Um, who did you score? It was amazing. Oh, thank you for asking that. Um, okay, so Wu in the Clouds is another friend from USC who was in our film school, Jarrett Wu. So he's a director, he's um, a writer, and he's a musician. His family comes, his whole family are musicians, so he has that duality. Mm-hmm. And he, um, his the, the music with the singing, um, that's him. And then he brought oh. on his partner, Eric, who um, is the composer. So they work mm-hmm. together a lot. So Eric um, composes music, um, produces it. And so the two of them worked as a team to do the music on um, I'm Fine. So the, the score where there is no um, vocals, uh, was Eric and then the tracks that were, it was music that Wu had already, comp- he already had um, from his band and it just worked so great for the film. And Eric actually composed some of those songs too, but he, but Wu also worked with other producers. But yeah, it was those two, Wu and Eric, uh, that just made the feel of that film come to life. Um, it just fit so perfectly, their sound. 
with the visuals. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, it's it's just all around great story, great acting, um, great message, um, really powerful about you know um, having faith and knowing that the angels are watching you, watching over you for real. <laughs> I mean, you like you could call the angel by name, which is so beautiful. And um, and the dangers of 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 being un, under and unhoused, but you know this is a happily, you know this this film doesn't end in tragedy, but it could have, it definitely could have. And so the danger is there. You know you're not you're not squeak coating anything, which I think you know yeah. is it's really you know some one of the things to be appreciated about the work that um, that you all have pulled together. So thank you so much for doing this, telling this story, spending your stimulus check in this way. Um, yeah, <laughs> you could have been selfish about it. And <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, sure. And Dion, Dion, um, want to let you have the final word <laughs> for the moment. Uh, thank you. And appreciate it, and people hope you check out the movie. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And we're talking about, um, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. So check it out on Friday um, at the San Francisco International Film Festival opening on Friday. Will you take good care? Look forward to other conversations about other projects that you couldn't talk about today. (laughs) And again, congratulations (laughs) on the wonderful work. And I wanted to mention to you, uh, Kelly, that I, I know your um, your award winning uh, Lalo's house. I, I believe I saw it way back when. So, oh really? Anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so great. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know that you were that person, but I do remember the name of the film. Oh, no kidding! Jeez, yeah, yeah. the ha- the Haitian story, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the Haiti. I've, I've been there a couple of times. I heard yeah. you say it right. You were like Haiti. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, oh. Right. Yeah. Well, again, take good care and congratulations on the wonderful work. And yeah, you all are. You're a great team. Great team. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Peace. All right. Peace and blessings. All right. Bye. You too. Bye bye. Thank you. Oh, good morning. How are you, Rebecca, Haley Clark, and Cree Noble? How are you doing today? We're Wonderful. Doing great. How, How are you? you? <laughs> oh, I'm good. I am so. I really want to see what hindsight 2020 is. It is such a mystery. <laughs> I mean, I know it's going to be good, but but what you're going to be doing, like you know, like the live part and the part that's with all these different. Um, you know, artists coming in and out of the project, it just sounds fantastic, the, the vision and the idea. And so I'm going to read your bios and let you tell our audience about it. <laughs> so Rebecca, um, you're welcome. Uh, Haley Clark is a theater director and practitioner who has worked in New York, Brazil, and Scotland. She recently completed the Masters of Classical and Contemporary Text directing course at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Conservatory or conservator? Uh, conservatoire. Conservatoire. Oh, conservatoire. Yeah, okay, they're very you. fancy over there. <laughs> it sounds fancy. It's like, what in the heck is that? I've never heard of conservatoire. 
<laughs> uh, Rebecca received her undergraduate degree in drama and comparative ethnic studies at Columbia University and a Fulbright research grant to study Shakespeare and race studies at, in Rio de Janeiro. Well, you have to you're gonna have to go off script and tell us a little bit about that. That sounds phenomenal. Um, Rebecca was born and raised in Santa Cruz, California. So she is she has some Bay Area kind of roots, which is kinda of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, originally hailing from central Illinois, Cree Noble is a two thousand eighteen graduate of DePaul University, where she studied both journalism and peace, justice and conflict studies with a minor in performance studies. What a nice combination. So art for social justice was <laughs> all up in there. <laughs> She received her master's in performance studies at Tisch School of the Arts in New York at New York University. Her work includes a documentary theater one woman show called Sasha from Chicago, which documented the lives of women of color whose lives have been impacted by the Trump administration. So that's a recent one. Yeah. At NYU, she worked on a documentary style theater show called What's It All For? That highlighted the 2019 uh, Jesse's uh, Smollett incident. Is that how you pronounce mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Okay. Um, she was recently seen in the devised piece rewriting the Declaration of Independence from NYU's theater education program. Wow, you've got one big thing after another. Look at you. My goodness. <laughs> this is like we could just like talk about one of these things instead of hindsight, you know, 2020, which we're here for. Because I'm like, whoa. What is that? What is that? This is, looks really interesting. <laughs> and currently, <laughs> wow, you all are fabulous. I'm glad you're my last guest because we can go over a little bit. Um, <laughs> currently, you're pursuing your second master's in clinical mental health counseling at DePaul University to become a registered drama therapist. Yeah, it sounds like all of your work is leading to that, has led to that. And you are interested in theater as a social justice and therapeutic tool, that not only creates social change, but healing for people, especially black women and girls. Oh, that's heck of nice. And are you all those women presenting this, or these women? I'm, I'm, I don't have my notes in front of me. Um, oh, sorry. Um, so Those Women Productions um, is our okay. um, co-producer on the project, um, and they're um, okay. Berkeley-based. And so that would be um, Carol Lashoff and um, Libby Vega, who have been our partners throughout um this entire process, and they're fantastic. Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, welcome, welcome. I just really had fun reading your bios uh, more slowly (laughs) as opposed to scanning them. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, now I cannot be so nervous. It's been a morning. Oh, my goodness. So take it away. Tell us about hindsight. What is hindsight 2020? Like, I mean, that's also a phrase, you know, hindsight is 2020 because, you know, you can't change anything, so might as well be perfect. Uh, Might as well say it's perfect. (laughs) But uh, but then I also think about the Sankofa concept, you know, going back mm-hmm. to fetch it and thinking about the ancestors and how hindsight is a good thing. You want to look back before you move forward because you don't want to mm-hmm. you don't want to redo something that already worked. <laughs> so you got to go back mm-hmm. and like just be still and and grab some of those those jewels that our ancestors have have left us that kept them you know moving forward. So Absolutely. so anyway, so that's why I was kind of how I looked at the title hindsight twenty twenty. 
Yeah, that's super interesting. And I, I love that um, interpretation of it as well. Um, I think for us, yeah, it was really important to include some part of reflection of this year and not prescribe to people um, what they took away from it or what the experience was for them and try to let a diverse body of voices um, create a through line, but also looking back um, to the past and see how um, other generations um, have dealt with um, major health crises like these, um, because we've seen it pretty much every hundred years or so, and even more commonly um, in the past um, where, you know, the theaters were closed, um, thinking about theater history a lot, like especially Shakespearean times. And you see that in your history book and go, oh, the play closed the theater houses. I'm so glad that happened so long ago. That'll never happen again. And then for that to actually happen in our lifetimes is um, quite wild. So we wanted to bring together a whole bunch of different um, people to comment on it artistically. Yeah. So who are some of these people <laughs> that you have uh, in discourse with one another creatively? Yeah. Um, we um, So Cree and I, um, together, we put together a, a call to action, um, hoping to bring together people from all over the world. And we um, have different collaborators ranging from, from Mexico, Chicago, I'm here in California, New York, Scotland. Um, India, all um, collaborating at various time zones um, together and trying to make a, a devised piece of work. So we're all working off one another. Um, and then we've recently just tried to pull it all together from all of those different strands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how does it look? Um, you know, what? How, how, what's, how, what's the shape of this, this, this piece? Um, I, I know... Um, I know I know people are going to be telling stories, but they they might have different different uh, coming from different genres in in the presentation. So how how does it how does it look? Absolutely, it's super multimedia. Um, we've got poetry, we've got dance, we've got music, we've got puppets, um, and it's all um, pre-recorded so that we can try to minimize for any you know Wi-Fi technological issues. Um, but there's a little bit of live um, at the at the top to kind of uh, remind us of uh, what we've been missing. Yeah. So, so as, are are you all participating, or are you just curators? Not just, but are you? Your roles are as curators. Or are you participating in the work? We're, uh, we're yeah. participating as well. Yeah. Creed, do you want to yeah. um, take that one, maybe? Yeah, um, it was a really unique process acting as the assistant director and a divisor in this piece. Um, I had never assistant direct in my life, um, but Rebecca really just took me under her wing and really guided me there. Um, and it was really unique working in this type of form where it's heavy, like multimedia, like she said. So, like, not only using, you know, like, you know, classic director techniques, but then also involving those web design skills or those, you know, editor skills and things like that to just put the production together. And as I'm assisting um, Rebecca, we're both like kind of on the actor side as well, trying to be as creative as possible and also using those theater skills, but now virtually and seeing how that kind of plays that role and the impact of all doing all that. Yeah. So tell us about about your um, 
you're, you're 2020. Like how? What happened? I mean, we're in our going into our our second year of of the uh, the pandemic. Um, you know, easing up some of the the restrictions uh, because of the vaccine and because of some of the economic uh, duress that well that seemed to take take precedence over people um, here in this nation. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So talk to us about you know your your 2020 and and how you uh, how it shows up in 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 the work. What what did you do? <laughs> how are you showing up uh, creatively <laughs> in the work? Sure. Um, I mean, for me, uh, I I got back from Scotland at the end of um, 2019, um, and I returned to my hometown and was just trying to get myself together for the next phase of life and when uh, the pandemic hit. And um, creatively, it has been rather inspiring because I've been able to maintain the connections internationally that I wouldn't have been able to um, if we were in the live theater. So um, I really valued that part of it. Um, For example, Cree and I have never met in real life and we've been collaborating (laughs) with each other for almost um, a year now. And so that's been so wonderful and fruitful and um, yeah, just been finding new creative ways to um, express ourselves has been kind of um, my 2020. I've been very fortunate um, to, you know, be be healthy and be safe. And um, so I can channel um, a lot of that into helping others to express themselves and not feel so, um, you know, down and out by the pandemic that we can't, we can continue to connect um, with one another. Or if you're feeling that way, how can you channel that into a creative space? Yeah. Um, For me, my 2020 was very, like a lot of highs and lows. Um, I entered the year with two dead-end jobs, um, trying to do art, but just really didn't have the time because I was working so hard, and I just felt so miserable. And literally by, like, um, I think it was, like, right after St. Patrick's Day, within a week, I lost both those jobs to the pandemic. So I was sitting there, like, what do I do? Um, I've never filed for unemployment. How will I pay my rent? Where do I go? And I wind up. Um, because I, I live in the state of Illinois, so our unemployment was a little behind, a little delayed. But um, I wind up actually having to kind of go back and stay with my family for a while. Um, I live in Chicago, but I'm, I'm from central Illinois, so I had to go back um, to the cornfields um, to stay with my family as I kind of got myself together. And I was, you know, I was feeling so kind of lost, and I felt so confused because I'm like, why is this happening? You know, will I ever be able to go back to work? Will I ever, like, kind of get my, you know, self together? And I'll never forget my cousin looked at me. She goes, look at this as a big like vacation, a very long vacation that you will never have again. Because she's like, once everything picks back up, you'll probably never stop going. And boy, was she right. <laughs> it took a long time to kind of reflect on really what I wanted to do, what I want my art to say and things like that. And, you know, I got really into going online and seeing what type of, like, online theater things were going on, and that's how I found kind of like Rebecca's Post. And from the year starting off going so terribly wrong to the middle of the year, 
kind of redeeming myself. Like I went back, I decided to go back to school. I started to get into drama therapy. I also had this new cool show that this girl from California named Rebecca is working on um, to like ending the year, just like on a high note, just being at my, I think my creative artistic level at its height. Wow, wow, so exciting. And I want to let our audience know that um, Hindsight 2020 um, is is going to uh, start uh be available um, virtually um, Friday, April 9th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And Saturday, April 10th continues 12 noon to 6 p.m. So there are these different times, so you really need to, like, make sure that you pay attention. Sunday, April 11th, uh, 11 and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Friday, April 16th, 7.30 Pacific Time. And I'm just, like, so loving this Pacific Time, you know, um, leaning as opposed to Eastern Time, and I have to figure it out. Um, Saturday, yeah, you know, April 17th. Got to put the Pacific nice. Time on there. But, yeah, we tried to put it, um, have a wide variety of different show times, um, hoping that people will tune in internationally so everyone will be able yeah. to find one show time that suits them in the, the prime time hours. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, your Saturday Sunday uh times are perfect for people that are, you know, 12 hours from 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 us uh with regards to the time zone like, you know, folks that are um, you know, in continental Africa. Um I don't know about Europe, but I know about continental Africa that um, <laughs> you know, those those times would work, uh the earlier ones. It's not too late. Great. And um and then I uh, want to let audiences know also that you are so generous with the ticket prices. You know, the suggested ticket price is $15, but all tickets uh, are choose-your-own price with a $1 minimum. I'm like, that's heck of nice with a, a 2.5% processing fee, whatever that means. And um, so people can uh, make reservations on eventbrite.com. Uh, and I don't know if you could just put in hindsight 2020 tickets and get it. Um, does that work like that uh, in Eventbrite? Can you search like that? Um, you should be able to search like that, but there might be um, uh, several other events that maybe have used that um, that title um, before. So um, if you um, – my, my website, um, RebeccaHaleyClark.com, um, you can easily mm-hmm. find the Hindsight 2020 portion of my okay. website, and that has the link to the Eventbrite and our GoFundMe mm-hmm. um, as well. And, yeah, we wanted to try and make it um, as accessible for people to – have art as possible while also um, giving back to um, a number of nonprofit organizations. Oh, are you? Which ones? Um, so we are um, 25% of our proceeds um, are being donated to um, nonprofits that we um, selected um, as a um, as a collective. And mm-hmm. they are, I'm just pulling them up, actually. They're I, on, our, <laughs> on our website. But we, um, have, we try to get a ver- Yeah, go ahead, Creep. Yeah, I have them pulled up if you want me just to read them out loud. Yeah, yes, please. So we have five, and I think one thing that we really honed in on was, like, asking everyone in our group to, like, you know, what are nonprofits that mean to you? So we only we have a mix of United States nonprofits, U.K. nonprofits, and India um, nonprofits, which – I mean, it made bring me so much joy knowing that we would be able to provide for so many areas. Um, but one of them here in the United States, we're going to do we're going to donate to the Equal Justice Initiative, um, oh, and then the nice. UK, 
I know we love them. They're so they do such incredible work. Um, mm-hmm. And then the UK, it's the Acting for Others, which is a performing artist release. Um, and then the United States, we're doing the Solutions Project, which is um, all about climate change and sustainability. Another USA-based uh, nonprofit is the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, which um, helps LGBTQ plus um, folks. Things. And then in India, we're going to do the Stand with Farmers, which is about food insecurity and suicide prevention in India. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. They, you wouldn't even think that um, that the two issues were so closely related, but they definitely are, um, yes. you know, food insecurity yes. and and longevity. And, and, and also, um, uh, you know, you know, a way to save face. Like, you know, if you can't support your family, then why am I here? Yeah, that's a big mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, great. That, um, that's really that great. organization was brought to our attention by our dramaturg, um, Tom Vishaw, who um, mm-hmm. lives in India. Um, and mm-hmm. we actually met on the course um, in Scotland together. And so she's mm-hmm. been literally moonlighting for us, um, popping <laughs> in to our rehearsals at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., India Standard Time. And that was mm. a, um, an organization that was very uh, near and dear to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So have you, you all had, like, full runs? I, I know I was told, um, I think Stephanie told me, that there's going to be a little difference um, for each one of these because um, I think parts are parts of this are all of this live. Like, when you have two shows on a Saturday, are they both live shows, the 12 and the 6? How How is that working? And because and, I, I thought there was some change, you know, like if you if you could actually go to multiple shows because there might be some difference in, in the performance. Sure. Um, yeah, so most of the um, performance um, is recorded, pre-recorded just due to um, having artists all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. but we do have um, a live portion that will be starting off um, each show that is um, tweaked a little bit differently for um, each each performance um, because we're hoping mm-hmm. to um, include as much of a audience and actor interaction um, as we can because that's kind of the feel that we're all really missing is um, that live energy um, and that, that transference um, that happens when you're in a live theatrical space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how is that going to happen? The the interaction between the audience and the um, the live um, presenters. Um. So we have the the top of the show um, is a um, an improv bit with um, some of the some of the actors and then the we're asking for anyone who has donated or is buying tickets to um, submit a photograph of themselves that will be used to help um, facilitate that. I don't want to give everything away, but um, that will be um, part of it. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, that sounds really cool. So tell us about some of the rewarding aspects of this, this project. Uh, Rebecca and Cree, and and then lastly, I wanted to ask you, um, since you are both writers, um, if you want to share something creative from your your canon. Sure. Um, or, so, or or tell us a story. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I was just one of these things I mentioned. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, it's been such a rewarding um, process. Um, I, I mean, I just, I just find it such a privilege to be able to still do creative work um, during this time. And meeting new people um, virtually um, on, over the interwebs and maintaining those connections and being able to also reflect and process with each other um, has been the most rewarding part of this and knowing that um, we're not alone. Uh, we might have all had very different experiences, but through those differences, there is a common thread and that we all are working through the year of 2020. Uh-huh. I think for me, the most rewarding thing was um, I think I miss the theater very much. Um, wish I was there, but being online gives you that creation to work with so many people from across the world that you never might have, never even met, may have never even been able to work with because, you know, theater is very much like an in-house, you know, in the same place at the same time type ordeal um, versus this process got me, allowed me to meet all these new people and learn from so many different individuals. Like, there's so many people we walked away and they were like, oh, do you want to work with me and do this? Or, oh, do you want to learn from me from that? It's like, yes, yes, yes. Like, you know, now having all these multitude of connections. And I think the drop of wisdom that I would love to share and also I learned from the show is just like, you know, just let go and let in, you know, just like let go of like those notions that you have that are holding you back from things and just let everything in and just be free and just be open to change and be open to new ideas because when you let, when you kind of let yourself open, just beautiful things can occur. They really can. Right. Yeah. So true. So true. So do you have um, some creative work you'd like to share um, in conclusion so we can hear your, your voice, so to speak? <laughs> Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of something that I've done, um, in the past, um, I'm trying to look if I have maybe a poem or, or something oh, ready to oh, go. Yeah. Um, a poem sounds give me perfect. A here. Um, Korea, I don't, I, yeah, Korea and I, we definitely write and, <laughs> um, all the time. Um, mm-hmm. let me Korea, I don't know if you have anything <laughs> right. Yeah, Korea, I was thinking, what's it all okay. for? I like the title. Uh, Sasha from Chicago sounds sassy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, what's it all for is actually just uh, kind of like me and someone else reenacting the Robin Roberts and Justice Mollet interview. So oh, okay. like just direct quotes. Um, okay. And then Sasha from Chicago can pull some things up. I don't know. Like, I'm going to be like uh, Rebecca and try to look for a poem. <laughs> oh, oh, super poetry is great. Cool. Awesome. Actually, I can read a poem that I just wrote for one of my therapy classes. Um, as a way to kind of get to introduce yourself and also kind of take ownership in who you are and kind of like where you're from. Um, So like I mentioned, I'm from uh, central Illinois, so it kind of goes Mm -hmm. back to being from a small town. But um, this is the poem. I'm from a small town in the heart of the Midwest, 
The roots that ground me stretch from Chicago, St. Louis, New Orleans, Mississippi, and the Caribbean. The hands that held me through my small town worked in factories, and their feet stumped in the military. In my small town, you'll see corn or soybeans swaying in the sun. If you listen closely, you'll hear sayings that come from everywhere and anywhere, just not from that small town. In my small town, you can find me in my mother's home, cooking, cleaning, and eventually leaving, hoping not to return again. That's just something. Thank you. That was beautiful. That was really lovely, Kriya. I'm not sure that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I am, I'm trying to find um, a poem um, that I wrote. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about a project that, um, if if I'm not able to find it. But um, I wrote a a piece called um, The Baldwin Project about um, James Baldwin. And it was um, the story of a um, a biracial girl um, living in New York. It's not based on my life at all. <laughs> and um, <laughs> who um, moves to Ireland um, and is guided by the, um, the ghostly figure of James Baldwin, um, mm. making kind of connections between the 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 Black Lives Matter movement at the time, so thinking like 2013, 2014, and also the struggle for um, Irish civil rights um, mm. as well, told through the story, like through a love story. Um, so that that is um, still in the works. Um, I'm thinking if I can, if I have a little piece. I might not, but. Um, that is something that I'm really passionate um, about um, completing. Um, it had a, a reading um, in New York and um, just kind of going with those threads of like connecting the international struggles um, for civil rights and how I think we all have more in common um, than we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love all things Jimmy Baldwin. Oh, like literally, (laughs) he is so, so prophetic. And um, I really felt, I mean, when I discovered him, like, I mean, this, this play is about me discovering him, um, that he was really like, almost like sent for me to guide me to be that, you know, as you were talking about Mm -hmm. Sankofa in the, the, the beginning, um, giving those pearls of, of wisdom to guide us right now. And I find myself consistently going back to his text, especially in these times of turmoil, um, to say, you know, what would, what would Jimmy, we call him Jimmy B, like in the, in the play, <laughs> what, would, what would J.B. Yeah. think right now? What would he have to, to offer? Um, and I was fortunate also over the summer to work um, a bit in terms of um, uh, with development with a, La Maison Baldwin, and I just want to shout them out. Um, they are a group in um, in France, um, in the south of France, um, trying to restore the um, the home that James Baldwin lived at um, there. 
um, which was converted, and they're trying to restore it. And they also do um, uh, an artist residency um, there, and particularly trying to, you know, uplift um, Black and people of color um, artists for a writer's residency in kind of um, in memory of James Baldwin. That's that's excellent. Great work. That's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Imagine yeah. staying in staying in the place where James Baldwin lives. I mean, I hope he's walking around for real. <laughs> that would yeah, be so well, inspiring to wake up and see James Baldwin and say, "Okay, Wanda, what you doing today? What you thinking about?" <laughs> you know, like, get with right. It. <laughs> no, I mean that's exactly without place—someone who will give you the real talk and also guide mm-hmm. you and like. I can't think of a more inspiring place to be able to do work. So maybe I'll get one of those residencies one day or someone we know from listening to this will be able to get one mm-hmm. because um, I think it's so essential um, that writers, but all artists have the time to create because, you know, like Cree was talking about worrying, like never having time to to rest and create. And I think something that both of us have probably taken out of this process as well is that rest is completely essential to to life but also to the the creative process um as well and i know that um kree is going to do a great job um, with her drama therapy um not only helping people but i think um helping people to create as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah especially black women and girls um they are mm-hmm. essential to to um to what I do, you know, um, as um, as a depth psychologist and as a community person that looks at, you know, healing and um, mm-hmm. and uh, transformative justice, particularly around right. around um, uh, harm, you know, a lot of lot of sexual trauma and mm-hmm. harm in, in that particular community of which I'm a part. So yeah, yeah, I can't do enough. Can't lift up those names enough. And and James Baldwin, I mean, he was just like, ah, I just remember the story, you know, when uh, Maya Angelou, um, when when you know when Dr. King passed and when Malcolm X was killed. I mean, you know, just how devastating that was to her. Yeah, and how he helped yeah, her no, I mean, sort of get up and, and start doing her work. <laughs> like, nah, you can't yeah. fall down. <laughs> Yeah, now it's not the, now you have to channel it um, mm-hmm. in the most the most difficult times, and um, I mean, I, I, at least what I'm trying to do with that project is insert a bit more of you know women um, into the James Baldwin, you know, because um, if any if there's any critiques of him, I think it would be the uh, the leaving out of women um, mm-hmm. in his work um, and you know, trying to do some of that um, revisionist um, art or history of inserting ourselves into it, you know, and um, I think that's really important that we can draw from all different um, sources and also how that connects, you know, like with his writing and you're mentioning, you know, Maya Angelou and I've also directed um, some of um, Adrian Kennedy's work, like the Black Arts Movement and how that directly affects like what we are working on today and you mentioned healing we're hoping that hindsight 2020 will provide that reflective space that people can start on the journey to healing we're not 
saying that our, our project will heal anyone, but we hope that um, it starts that journey and take the first steps to integrating what has happened this year with um, the future. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Um, is there a way, um, with hindsight 2020, since you have so many, um, uh, you know, uh, iterations, you know, with regards to performances, uh, is there a way for you to capture um, the audience uh, responses so then you have, like, a larger body um, of work at the end than you had going into this so that, you know, when you rebroadcast or whatever, people can see uh, sort of the tapestry of impact yeah, I work think that's on, a, on your a, audience. Yeah, a really great idea. Um, I mean, we are working with some ideas with, you know, how to keep contact and get feedback mm-hmm. from the audience post-show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like what you're saying about impact, and maybe that's something that we can um, add to um, either our feedback or our survey to um, it reincorporate, because we're hoping, you know, this is our first stab, this is our first, you know, iteration but we definitely think this project has a lot of um, ability to be um, innovated and to develop further, whether that's in the virtual world or hopefully, fingers crossed, um, back in the theater somewhere. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think reflection is really important, and, and we don't have an opportunity a lot of times to reflect uh, with others uh, because we mm-hmm. don't have community sometimes to be able to do that. Yeah. And so, like you said, you know, you're talking about how you – and Cree met, uh, you know, and you haven't even, you know, tangibly, like, in the flesh, flesh kind of met yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's like, well, you got a cerebral meeting and a visual meeting, but not a, ten, ten, you know, a tangible meeting, you know, with, you yeah. know, touching. Uh, or even, like, <laughs> not touching, but knowing you could touch if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, oh, you, um, you know, eventually I'll get to Chicago and give Cree a big hug. <laughs> I'll come off the Santa Cruz and do the same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, but I was yeah, thinking, I think inviting uh, the audience to do that mm-hmm. with us as well um, is a really yeah. great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the sort of like, okay, well, what happens when the show is over? Um, so the mm-hmm. hindsight, you know, as as a as a um, sort of a model of of um, a processing, you know, like this could be like, become like an institutional kind of thing because you know yeah. pandemics and things like that. I mean, we probably don't live through more than one at a time, but I remember HIV and AIDS. That was a big deal. And people are still mm-hmm. getting infected with HIV, even though nobody talks about it. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> so it's not to- it's not topical, but it's still happening. People are still dying from HIV. It's mm-hmm. like, whoa, why? Why is that? And then, and then we think about things like polio are gone, and measles are gone, and chickenpox is gone, and then, and then it comes back, like. You know, like how many generations later, and then we've got COVID nineteen. One day we right. say it's gone, but then, but then, you know, the black whatever, the black plague or whatever the heck they call these things, or the thing in you know nineteen nineteen, um, this big uh, epidemic. Um, so yeah, so I was just thinking as a way to process, you know, historically to to be able to put this in there. It's like, oh, well, remember hindsight twenty twenty and hindsight twenty twenty. Uh, one, twenty-two, or maybe every other year, and it's like if you become a part of the institution, uh, you become a part of the landscape. Like this is how we do it. We don't fall Definitely. apart. This is how we do it. Yeah, I think that's, so, that's I'm just how thinking. we're. 
No, I think that's a great idea. And I think it really speaks to what Cree and I have been hoping to do. And that's a really like actionable way to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Because um, we've talked about time capsules and the archival process. And yeah, I think, you know, being able to look back and say, these, this is how these people um, made it through. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't want people killing themselves. You know, we want them to be able to find hope. And sometimes you need an example of, of survival yeah, to no, be able to hope. That's, that's right. real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so looking forward to a performance to see how you all do this. I think I wasn't able to open up the um, uh, the sample that you all you sent me. Thank you so much, but oh. I, I couldn't open it. Yeah, I just kept on saying I had an error message and an error message. Oh, no. Like, okay. Oh, well, I can much. definitely try today to try to um, get you something, um, get across to you, because um, oh. I think you'll really um, enjoy even that snippet. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it had, I think it had to do with uh, the package that was sent, it was sent to me in. I don't know if it was the thing okay. itself. Uh, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't have time anymore. <laughs> I had too much to do this morning to prepare for this morning. But it was been really lovely um, speaking to both of you. And thank you so much for the poem, uh, Cree, and, and for the story, Rebecca. Oh, my gosh. I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, the uh, completed Baldwin project. And, yeah, you're sending me information so I can, like, be in the room, be in the space, wherever it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Thank you so much for having us on. It's an absolute pleasure um, speaking with you more about the work and more about um, what we're working on in general. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. super. Well, you all take good care, and um, I know you're going to have a wonderful, you know, series of performances, and uh, yeah, yeah, I don't not sure how many I can catch, but I might try to catch more than once <laughs> so I can okay. see how they differ. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and sure, no problem. And I did link to Hindsight um, on the website, but could you give the web, your website again, please, Rebecca, so that people can more easily find the link? Sure. Um, it's Rebecca Haley Clark. That's um, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-H-A-L-E-Y. C-L-A-R-K dot com. And then there is, um, it's right on the main page to be able to find the Hindsight 2020 page that has our Eventbrite, GoFundMe, and all the information about the show times and everything. All right, cool. All right, will you both take good care? Great. You Thank you well. so much Thank for the so opportunity, much. Wanda. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. Peace and blessings. Peace. Bye. Bye. So we're going to close with McLeet. Um, I've played this before, but I like it. Um, We are alive.
never see so 